What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. We are finally here. It's Friday. We got the wild card game, super wild card games that start tomorrow. We've been able to see the line moves all week long. We see where the money is coming in. We've been moving some of the markets ourselves. It's been a blast. And to be honest, House, a lot of people are complaining that these games should just get here because they're not used to only having six games to talk about, six games to analyze, and they're just ready for these things to kick off. I got to tell you, that's a strong and hard, we'll get to that Viagra talk later, disagree <laughs> from me. I absolutely think that, first of all, I've needed the time, but second of all, this is the time to cherish these games. We only have a few more left in the season. Let's not, let's not, get excited too quickly or aroused too quickly and just like get the moment over with. We need to really try to take our time, build up the anticipation, and then hope that the games match that anticipation. What do you think? Well, whether the games match the anticipation or not, I don't care. We've got football Saturday, football Sunday, football Monday. And, you know, I'm not in the habit of um, offering up cheap congratulations to the NFL. But I will tell you whether it was good planning or good luck, probably both. The week 18 end, which started, you know, Saturday and ran all the way 
through that unbelievable Sunday night game. We were all up past uh, midnight here on the East Coast watching that game and then feeding us into this super wild card weekend. It really has worked out splendid. Like I needed a couple of days to recover from week 18. And, you know, what we saw across the board in, in, in that weekend was so in- incredible. Now, I will tell you, I am indeed super excited for this giant card, but I'm also in a, in a kind of a place of Zen Sharpie. Like I, I, all of my, uh, season futures have, have cashed out one way or the other. I ended up pretty even. Um, if I hadn't bet the Eagles win total under, I would have come out ahead, but you know, Nick Sirianni tricked me in the, in the middle of the summer with his first press conference, he came out and, <laughs> and, you know, I may, maybe that was his rope dope. Maybe Sirianni was on a season long rope dope. Cause here we are, the Philadelphia Eagles playing in wildcard weekend, um, out of the NFC East. Not a lot of people had that circled. Uh, but, and uh, I also avoided the Jacksonville Colts debacle, uh, and, and did not have that game on my dance card for week 18. I had the Bucks on there. I had Miami on there. And, you know, our gigantic season-ending winner on the Jets over six and a half points in the first half against the Buffalo Bills. All we do is give out winners here, Sharpie, on the regular NFL Gambling Show. Bet the house went 12 and six. I'm I'm happy. Of course, as you should be. Um, and you're right. There was a lot of great games uh, week 18. It was a great way to end the season, especially the way that that Sunday night game ended. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm, I finally just lost my headache that I had for about 36 hours. It finally went away like yesterday afternoon, um, just from a lack of sleep working towards, uh, what I needed to do this week. And, um, yeah, so I couldn't have gone with like a day less of prep for these games this week. It's been a full week of work and I'm certainly looking forward to the games, but I'm fine with the anticipation. Yeah, that it's also tradition. We, you know, Saturday uh, uh, NFL playoff games in in January. That that fits how uh, both of us grew up. And then you know the fact that we have an extra game on Monday. Really, again, I, I'm not in this 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 habit. It doesn't feel comfortable. But kudos to the NFL. No, no, I will I will push back there. Fuck the NFL for giving us a Monday night game on wild card or on this wild card weekend. I hate it. I want when Sunday night is here, I want to know who everybody is playing the next week. I want to start running my models. I want to start getting ahead of line moves that I think I need to. And it's annoying as hell that the NFC will know what the AFC is doing, but it's annoying as hell that the NFC won't have that scheduled yet. And it's just a pain in the ass, uh, you know, waiting an entire another day. I absolutely despise it. Um, <laughs> but you're in the it's business. A- you're in the industry. I'm I'm a fan. Like, w- would you have it be three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday? Would that be yeah, your preference? Yeah, like usual, like usual, like usual. I'm fine with that. We already got three games on Sunday. I'm fine with sitting around on Saturday and starting this game at 1 p.m. I have no desire to wait till 4.30. I mean, I'm not a West Coast guy. I'm an East Coast guy. I got my morning to get ready, and then I'm going to start you know, watching these games and live betting as necessary. But look, the one of the fun things about this, you know, for me, fortunately, multiple teams that I work with are in the postseason and there's absolutely nothing better. It's n- nothing more challenging, but at the same time, nothing better than 
trying to game plan in the postseason for a you know lose or go home type scenario. It, it is absolutely thrilling. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of nerve wracking discussion and detail that goes into it. And if it doesn't work out, you know, it really blows. It really fucking blows. But if it works, you know, and if you win, then there's not not a better feeling. It's to me, it's better than winning a bet. Like it's better than winning a bet. The feeling that you're game planning uh, for an opponent in the playoffs and you come up with some things and they end up working out and the team moves on and advances is no single better feeling that I experienced. So well, I, I, I hope it. that's the case. The, 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 winning a bet is like good for your uh, bank account, helpful for your your psyche. Win, helping a team win, that's like real connection with real human beings, buddy. Like yes. that's a team. That's a team win. Like that's the whole point. It's 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 wonderful, obviously. I, I wish I could share that feeling. I don't have any teams that I play on. Other than, you know, when I'm matched up uh, in, in golf matches or whatever. But, uh, you know, th- there aren't many opportunities to be to, to have like genuine team wins that where you're living that experience with everybody at my stage of life. So congratulations to you. And I, I'll root hard for all of your teams. And I will also root hard for my betting card. Yeah, as you should. So let's dig into your betting card. Um, we're going to go game by game. I'm going to introduce the game, list the number, talk about any line moves, See what you got on it, and and then we'll talk through it. So we'll start and just go through it rotation order. We'll start with the first game on the board. The Raiders and the Bengals. This line opened up with the Raiders catching six and a half points. That's down to five at a couple of spots here, five and a half at some others. And the total was bet up, then it was bet down. And it's right around 49 now at most spots is what I'm seeing. A couple 48 and a half, a couple 48s. Um, did you do anything already on this game, House? Are you looking to do anything on this game? I, I have indeed jumped into this game, um, and I'm probably going to do even a bit more. I listened, as is always the case, to the outstanding wildcard playoff rendition of the Cheat Code podcast. You and Ben Solak, Wednesday's show was so chock full of breaking down the matchups, the matchups that are going to decide the games. This game, on the face of it, is a real challenge. It's a conundrum because you have like competing narratives, competing momentum, two teams that haven't been there in a while, two quarterbacks that have never played in a playoff game before. And so, you know, trying to pick uh, a side felt like a real challenge. And I absolutely, um, you know, loved the extended discussion of the matchup between the Raiders defensive line and the the subpar Cincinnati offensive line and all the punishment that poor Joey Burrows takes. Now, the thing that you guys talked about, and and um, this really informed Ben Solak taking the Raiders as a side. He got him at the six and a half price. I I was surprised that that didn't follow into a a strong perspective on the total because the total to me is the thing. The total is the opportunity here at 49 points. You're talking about in the first place, how many games do you think the Las Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr played in temperatures under even 40 degrees this season? I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it's not a high number. I, I think he's only played in a handful of those games in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it's less, been less than 10, I thought, that he's played in, in temperatures below 40. 
And this temperature is going to be closer to 20. I think you guys had the wind chill under 20. Uh, you know, the way that it's going to feel on the football field there in Cincinnati. And when you take that cold that the uh, Las Vegas Raiders are not accustomed to and and match that up with the fact that we have two first-time quarterbacks, first-time playoff quarterbacks, first-time playoff experience, uh, I think the play calling is going to be somewhat conservative to start and directly on point in connection with the observation that you guys made about this matchup in, in defensive line versus offensive line. If we see a lot of punts, then that means the scoring is going to be depressed as well. I absolutely love the under on this football game. Well, as you mentioned that house, I'm looking it up and the temperature, first of all, that I'm seeing is at kickoff, it's 32 and by 6 p.m. it's 29. Again, this is the game kicks off at 4.30. Um, and it's going to feel like 24 degrees at 4 p.m. and feel like 21 degrees at 6 p.m. And I went and looked. Derek Carr playing with the Raiders and playing outdoors since he arrived in 2014. He's played three games in this scenario. Very small sample size. One was in Kansas City in 2016 on a Thursday night game. One was in Philadelphia uh, in 2017 on a Monday night game. And one was an afternoon game out in Denver in 2019. These are the only three games that he's played outdoors in 35 degree temperatures or less. He's 0-3. He's 2-1 against the spread, but he's put up 13 points, 10 points, and 15 points in those three games. So that that's all I care about is, is the, the points generation, right? Like I, I'm not I'm gonna jump on a side or a money line here. Um, I prefer to like just watch this and be fascinated by kind of the chess match between these two teams. Again, with like competing narrative, Cincinnati coming off of that enormous, like, you know, franchise direction changing win over Kansas City that clinched them winning the AFC North. Like so amazing. I, I completely disregard the game against um, the Browns in week 18 because Cincinnati earned the right to disregard that game. They earned the right to rest their, their team. And then, you know, a, a nearly once in a lifetime game with Vegas conquering the Chargers in a, in, in a, <laughs> I mean, it's it, we, we, you and, and Vernon could have spent the entire show uh, on Monday trying to break down week 18 on just that game. It was that special of a game. Um, we saw incredible performances out of Justin Herbert. We saw Derek Carr make unbelievable throws, the strategy of that game. And for the Raiders to conquer, the Raiders are in the playoffs, winning that, winning a playoff game already. What kind of momentum does that translate into? I don't know, and I don't want to bet on it is the thing. So I just want to look at a total, come up with an angle, and that's how I'm going to play it. Yeah, well, I I don't think you're wrong. You know, have your conviction, support it with your bankroll, and and try to make your smart bets. I will say this: what was interesting that plays into what you're looking at is that the Raiders ran the ball on first. Sorry, the the Bengals ran the ball on first downs in the first three quarters of that game, seventy three percent of the time. The last time these two teams met, which was the second highest rate of any game that they played this season. And what I noticed when I looked back at the First down run rate or pass rate, obviously they're intertwined, but in repeat games that the Bengals played, so they played the Steelers twice, they played the Ravens twice, and they played the Cleveland Browns twice, 
Zach Taylor basically took the exact same approach. Like some games, they went a lot more run heavy, like against the Steelers. They were 67% run in the first game. They were 62% run in the second game on these first downs in the first three quarters. So they were more run heavy there. Against the Ravens, they were only 32% run in the first game. And then when they played them again for the second game, 46% run. So below 50%. And then against the Cleveland Browns, they were very close to 50% in both of those games. I would expect that they would take a similar style of approach to this game and go with a pretty high run rate on first downs in the first three quarters of games, which means the clock could be ticking a little bit in that respect. The other thing that was interesting that stood out to me was the pressure rate of the Raiders on Joe Burrow here. So Joe Burrow on early downs, the entirety of the game, was only pressured at a 20% rate by the Raiders. That was their second lowest pressure rate of any game on the year. They do not blitz. This is a team that doesn't blitz. They just try to generate pressure with their front four, just with the down linemen. And they tend to do a very good job of of doing that. They're one of the best teams in the league at not blitzing, but still being able to generate pressure. Um, but they did not get to Joe Burrow very much in that game. They play a ton of cover three. And Joe Burrow has done traditionally pretty well against cover three. But when he was faced with cover three in that game, a very high completion rate, 11 of 14, but he only averaged 5.4 yards per attempt. It was a lot of underneath stuff that they were having success with. And if you're the Raiders, you're fine with that, right? You don't want Jamar Chase doing what he did to the Kansas City Chiefs and burning you over to the top. You want the Raiders to have to go, you want the Bengals to have to go through and matriculate the ball down the field with a shorter passing attack and not get any offensive holding or not take a sack and, and run the ball a fair amount. That's what you want. You want this game to be shortened. You want, as an underdog on the road, you know, you want the game to be shorter, uh, go quicker, higher variance. You know, the more plays that are run in a game, typically speaking, the more opportunity is for the better team to distance themselves from the weaker team. The less plays that are run, the higher the variance can be, and the worst team might have a better shot here. So I think it's going to be interesting. The other thing that I think is interesting here, House, is so you like the under, you place the bet on the under, are you doing anything with the side? Do you think that that correlates to the Raiders being able to keep this one close? Or what I, are you I, doing there? I do prefer the Raiders, but I don't have a strong enough feeling about it to to bet. And the I missed the six and a half opportunity. If it, if it was still around six and a half, I I, I might um, go ahead and grab that. It feels too rich, but four and a half is like in that Zet Vegas zone. So I don't I don't like um, doing anything on the side. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's move along to the Patriots at the Buffalo Bills Saturday night, frigid, frigid temperatures. And I want to say before I toss it to you on this one that I had my guy over at Sharp Football Analysis, Curtis, he he went ahead and put up an article for me 
cold weather impact on NFL games. Should you bet the over or the under? So go ahead and Google that. You'll find it over at Chart Football Analysis. You'll find some research there, but I'll give you the summary, House, and that is that since 2009, there have been 40 games played in weather colder than 20 degrees, and the over hits 58% of the time. If you lower that to 15 degrees, the over hits at 59% of the time. And I know we had this great exchange with our boss, Bill Simmons, <laughs> over text, who was debating me back and forth, throwing out the low, the coldest, five coldest playoff games in NFL history, going back to the 70s and 80s and 90s. And I'm trying to say the game has changed and it's changed for three primary reasons. Number one, the NFL changed the game themselves. They changed the rules completely. You now can't hit the quarterbacks and you can't take out guys over the middle of the field. And it's much holder, harder to get away with holding in the secondary. And what then did that lead to? Intelligently, it led to more passing of the football, which also creates more points. So that cascading effect started in the 2010 season and has carried forward until now. And then the third thing is you've got what is clear, and that is more teams are going for it on fourth down and being more aggressive. We saw these teams go for it 10 times the last time that they played on fourth down. That aggressiveness leads to more points in and of itself. When you're going for it on fourth and two from midfield, somebody is going to get the ball first and 10 from around midfield after that play, unless it gains a bunch of yards or loses a bunch of yards, then you're going to be even closer to the end zone. Whereas if you did what the teams did back in the 80s and just punted away the football on fourth and two, which is basically what they did almost all of the time, then somebody's getting the ball back at their own 20 or 15-yard line and having to drive 85 yards to score a touchdown. So we're seeing points played scored differently. And the last thing I didn't mention in that text thread that's also a factor here is teams back in the 80s and 90s just wore like an extra sweatshirt, right? They just rubbed some Vaseline on themselves. They didn't have any like fucking Gore-Tex advanced polyethylene layers that they could throw on there. They didn't have like these massive heaters. They had like fucking garbage cans with sticks and newspapers on the sideline that they tried to crowd around. They didn't have like industrial strength jets that are fueled by propane tanks on the sideline, heated benches and all this other shit that these players have now. I mean, it's a luxury what these players have compared to back in the day. So at any rate, I got to think of something to do with Simmons to to throw another bet. I feel bad taking his money on that first game where the <laughs> Patriots and the Bills played uh, this this the rematch game where yeah. I won a nice dinner from him uh, out in L.A. at the Super Bowl. I got to think of something else to maybe give him a chance to redeem himself. But what is your take on this game? Because obviously I have a strong opinion and I'll get to the bottom of it in a second here. But I'm curious. The total is 44 points. That's where it opened, but it was initially bet down. Then it went back to 44. And the Bills are favored right now. Big time breaking news as we're recording this. The Bills are now favored by four and a half points across the board. And at one very sharp spot out in Las Vegas, it is now five points. Five points. Money has just come in on the Buffalo Bills as we're recording this on Friday morning. And that's really the first big move of the week for this game. Now, it did open a lot of spots at four and a half. It came down to four pretty quickly. Um, but for most of the week, this thing has just been sitting at four. Yeah. So I bet the Bills already at four. And, you know, th this, uh, so I, I'm, I'm a, I'm happy to have gotten that in. It was not a big one. Um, I was thinking I was going to have the opportunity to do a little bit more 
on the Bills, but the, these two teams look to be in in completely uh, different postures, different directions ever since the Patriots beat the Bills in that insane win game, uh, you know, five weeks ago. Um, the, the, the Patriots have since then lost to the Colts, lost to the Bills, and lost to the Dolphins. Their only win since that game was a gigantic blowout of the Jaguars, which is really, you know, that was right after... Uh, horny, Ur- horny Urban's uh, departure, and the Jags had not yet, you know, gotten over the erection that lasted four hours. So uh, they, they did. The Jaguars did get get rid of that erection by week eighteen. I'll tell you what, they were out there against the Colts and Carson Wentz, taking care of their own business. We got to see the Trevor Lawrence we were all hoping to see. But as far as the the this this, this matchup, it feels to me like that number, the four points is out of respect for Belichick. It's a Belichick number. And I think it's well-founded. We have 20-plus years of evidence that you ought to respect Bill Belichick in the playoffs. I just don't think the Patriots have the personnel. Uh, and I, I I think it's going to be tough for them to keep this as a one-score game. Like I, I am almost talking myself into up to six and a half and looking at some alt-line opportunities for the Bills here, it feels to me like a 33-17 kind of game because I think the Bills are going to score quickly. I think they're going to be able to um, exploit the Patriots secondary and, and and linebacking core. And I think the Bills now are doing the thing that they want to do on offense. They, they finally have gotten over some of the sluggishness of the first half of the season and are now executing in that intermediate um, pass game in a way that they weren't earlier on. So that that's my my sense of this game. Yeah, the Bills, look, the Bill in my opinion, the Bills control their destiny here. Um they have to modify their approach from what they've been doing over the last month if they want to have the easiest path to victory in this game. And what do I mean by that? They have been calling far too many running back runs on first and 10 and second and 10. The long yardage running back runs that Buffalo has been trying to mix into the game to give their offensive line confidence, to give this sense that they're a little bit balanced. Those runs suck. They do not work. And so I want them to shift those carry attempts. Go ahead and keep yourself, give your running backs a combined 15 carries, 20 carries in the game maybe 17, not 20, but give them those carries, but shift them to the short yardage situation because you can run on the Patriots when you got second and five, second and two, third and two, third and one. Like let the running backs eat at that point in time, not on your first and 10, not on your second and eight. You know, I don't want to see the running backs carrying the ball at that point in time. Josh Allen needs to crank up the wheels. I think you could have success doing that. You got to be aggressive on fourth down. Um, and we just need um we we need to make sure he has warm socks, right? You guys talked about he ta- he was on television. And you guys also talked about on the pod is his his tootsies get a little chill. He doesn't have great foot circulation, so maybe maybe he'll have some electric socks on. I don't know about electric socks, man. That that's like that's like from the eighties. That's like some invented thing that that back they, that would have done millions of dollars if uh, if they had you know um the as seen on TV stuff back in those days. This this was before cable TV or when cable TV was first coming out, these electric socks. Uh, Cause I do remember hearing something about that, but um, 
At any rate, I think that the the Viagra thing that Bart Scott was talking about, I mean, maybe research it a little bit, you know, like let's dig into that. Something to help Josh Allen here get that circulation. It's 2021, of course, and there's got to be something he can take to help him with that. You know, avoid going under center too much. Uh, if you have tried out the pop the blue pill before the game, I don't know that uh, your center would appreciate that as much, but let's try to do something here to increase that circulation. Um, running the football on the field would definitely do that. You know, get your feet moving, get that blood pumping. Um, but I think this game basically comes down to can the Bills jump out? If the Bills can jump out, play aggressively, they must do that in order to get Mac Jones to throw the football more himself. Because if Belichick has his druthers, he's going to be running the football a fair amount here because it's a great way to take advantage of the Bills' defense. And I think that they've had some success in doing so with Damian Harris in the past. Ramondre Stevenson even had some decent uh, runs back back uh, in the games that they played earlier this year. So I think it's absolutely imperative that Buffalo jumps out to force Mac Jones to throw the ball, get uncomfortable. He hasn't played in these conditions nearly as much as Josh Allen has. Um, overall, really looking forward to this game. I think there's a heavy correlation, Bills and over or Pats and under. You know, if you think the Pats are going to keep it close, then then I think that there's a chance that this game would go under. If you think the, the Pats defense steps up, chance it is going to go under. There's some key injuries for both sides of the football here for both of these teams, um, primarily more so for the New England Patriots, right? Isaiah Wynn, their left tackle, he's been missing practice. You got Kyle Duggar, the big big time important safety for the New England Patriots. He's been missing practice. You got their linebacker. Um, he, he just came back to practice and was in limited capacity. And how's he going to run around the field chasing Josh Allen in the cold weather? That's going to be tough. So Great game. Really looking forward to it on Saturday night. Let's move to Sunday at 1 p.m. House, we've got the Eagles catching eight and a half points on the road in Tampa Bay. And the big story in this game, at least in terms of line movement from when we last recorded our podcast, was the weather system that's moved through that's dropped the total down to 45 and a half points. So we're going to pull out the app as we need to do to give you the most recent weather forecast because that's the point of the show is to give you the most accurate information as up-to-date as possible. And right now it is calling for rain, temperatures in the mid-60s, which is cold for Tampa, obviously, this time of year, 49% chance of rain during this game, and 18-mile-per-hour wind with gusts to 30. So less ideal for the passing game, which you would think might hurt Tom Brady a little bit more because they're the team that has the highest pass rate in the NFL. They want to pass the ball, even though they don't have as many wide receivers up as he's familiar with. He's gaining the familiarity with these guys. Um, and you have a run first team in the Philadelphia Eagles. So you would think that that weather might be able to benefit them a little bit, but do you think it will house? Have you placed a bet on this game? What do you like? I have placed a couple bets on this game and it's mainly um, in the teaser, I mean, the Vegas is just begging us to tease the the Bucks here at, at, at with the number at eight and a half. It's still sitting there, right? Yeah, eight and a half. Tease exactly. that down. So you just tease them down to 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 two and a half. And you know, we're we're going to talk about that San Francisco Dallas game. My favorite teaser on the board is teasing San Fran from three up to nine and Tampa from eight and a half down to two and a half. Um, you know, getting 
San Francisco in a two-score uh, position, and Tampa only has to win by three. This is to me. Let me let me ask you this. Go you ahead. said Vegas is begging us to tease them, and that's exactly <laughs> what you're going to do. Does it bother right. you? At, does it bother you at all that this number is sitting right at eight and a half when the books could easily put this number at nine and a half and still get the same action on Tampa Bay? No, it does not bother me one bit. I, I okay. really, I know, I understand exactly how I'm being manipulated. Sometimes <laughs> the most obvious answer is the right answer. Sometimes. You're, you're, you're like the guy in high school who knows he's being used by the girl, but doesn't mind it because he still gets to be near the girl. She's so hot. She's Tom Brady is so hot. Let me be near Tom. What are you talking about? Of course. Of course I want to be near, near Tom. All of the stuff lines up here. This is Jalen Hurts making his postseason debut. All the history, 14 and 30 straight up, 12, 31 and one against the spread. Like, you know, this is the only matchup on the board where you have a rookie quarterback, you know, making a, 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 I mean, a a, a, um, rookie quarterback for the playoffs, uh, making a playoff debut um, up against a vet. I mean, it's not just up against any vet. It's against the, the greatest quarterback in the history of the National Football League. Um, different in class, just a difference in class. Phillies played six games against playoff teams. They lost every single one of them. Um, Phillies, a good story, like amazing job. We talked offline. How's Howie Roseman not win uh, GM of the year? Like the combination of retooling on the fly, plus the picks that they generated with the Carson Wentz, um, trade and and what they traded with Miami to permit Miami to move up and take the wide receiver they wanted like incredible incredible job by Philadelphia in this offseason and and they look great now I still think that they have to sort out the quarterback position at some point but kudos to Philly for getting themselves to this spot kudos to Philly for rewriting their script midseason that defense was horrendous god awful all season long against the intermediate past, they have not really gotten much better, but they did, you know, try and, 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 um, put a little more pass rush into the defense. And most importantly, um, right after they lost to Tampa Bay, you and Solak emphasized this, uh, they changed their offensive approach, which meant that defense spent less time on the football field. And that has translated into this little bit of, of a run that Philly went on that got them into the playoffs. So kudos to them. I like Tampa minus eight and a half. I've already bet it. I like Tampa in, in, in a teaser combo with San Francisco. I've already bet it. Um, the weather, uh, to me, will affect the total, and I didn't really have a strong feeling on the total anyway. I'm fine with laying the points. I like Tampa. Would you say this is your most confident side of the week? No, no. My most confident side of the week is coming up in the fantastic throwback Dallas-San Francisco game. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Let's move on to that next game, which is San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. House, when you were younger, 20 years ago or so, maybe even longer than that, God, 30 years ago, do you remember sitting on your couch, maybe with Pops or somebody, and, and watching some of these just incredible NFC championship games between the Cowboys and the Niners. It was almost like every single year, the dynasties met up in the championship of the NFC and played one another. At least it felt like that. They would always have to get past one another to go to the playoffs. And then it eventually turned into like some great rivalries that we would watch between the Packers and the Niners. But this Cowboys Niners game is definitely a throwback uh, for me. It definitely brings out all the vibes for me. And and I especially recall rooting so passionately against Dallas as a Washington sure. fan yeah. at a very early age. It was instilled in me, the DNA, uh, to root against all things Dallas. Dallas was always the bully on the block. And, you know, especially the underdog years of Washington with George Allen and Billy Kilmer. That's how I was. <laughs> those are the teams I grew up with. And and it was always a, a, a real test going up against Dallas. So seeing Dallas in any situation where they would, you know, uh, be lose playoff games, not make it to the Super Bowl. I, I rooted by extension for San Francisco. So um, I, ha- I, I, I literally recall jumping off my couch when Dwight Clark made the catch um, for, for, for San Francisco to beat Dallas in that playoff game, the NFC Conference Championship game, uh, whatever year that was. So yes, throwback, feels great. Love to have the matchup between these foundational NFL franchises this weekend. So let's talk the spread, which really has not moved very much. I saw a three and a half pop up briefly. Um, last night actually disappeared back down to three. It is a juice three in favor of the Dallas Cowboys. And the total sits at 51 points at most spots now. has been bet up from 49 earlier in the week. This game's interesting, House, for one primary reason. There's a lot of people that are talking about the 49ers here. And what's surprising to me is you do have America's team on the other sideline. And they're America's team for a reason because a lot of people know and watch and get spoon-fed and force-fed at times the Dallas Cowboys because the NFL is a money-making machine and they try to ram things down our throats at times. And the Dallas Cowboys were one of those things for many, many years. Plus, Jerry Jones obviously has a ton of influence within the organization. And so we see a lot of Dallas Cowboys games. And Dallas is the best team, 13-4 and ATS on the season. They have the best ATS cover rate. If you've been betting on Dallas, it would make sense that you would be up a lot of money and it would make sense that you would want to keep betting on them. So America's team to have the best cover rate of any team in the NFL is is one thing that's certainly surprising. The second thing that's surprising here is a lot of bettors are drawn to what they just saw. And what they just saw, to me at least, is Dallas put up 51 points. I know the Eagles were resting their guys, but this was a nationally televised game on Saturday night of week 18. And they saw the Dallas Cowboys steamroll and throw up a 50-burger. And then on Sunday, the 4 p.m. East Coast game that was on national TV, they saw the Raiders, sorry, they saw the 49ers fall into a 17 to nothing hole and have to claw their way back out of it in the second half and narrowly win just to even make the playoffs. And so why is it that people are betting the 49ers here over the Cowboys? I know that you are on the 49ers side here. 
Just explain to me what you think is going on here nationwide, though, as to why people aren't really backing the Cowboys, even though they're the best ATS cover team in the league and they just put up a 50-burger. Well, I, I because the gambling public is getting smarter, uh, you know, with with the arrival of gambling opportunities in you know nearly half the states here in these United States, and the proliferation of gambling information that's out there on these interwebs, it's not lost on people that San Francisco is pretty damn good. They've won seven of their last nine. That was an unbelievable comeback against the Rams. The Rams were supposed to be a team, you know, that, that had a Super Bowl aspiration and ambition, and they still have those things, but you know, the, the Rams had the opportunity to clinch the, the, the two spot in the seating um, with a win over San Francisco and, and went up 17 to nothing. And Sean McVay is in the end zone celebrating with his team uh, somehow managed to not get a penalty for that. And then yeah. San Francisco. Strange, just huh? Yeah. Strange how that works. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if Ron Rivera could get himself into the end zone, they definitely would have got a penalty, but Ron's too smart for that. Um, but uh, in, 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 what has now become a a a, a full on habit? Uh, Kyle Shanahan in the second half methodically took apart the Rams' defense. This is six straight wins now for uh, the San Francisco 49ers against the Rams. And in this particular matchup, I think folks are taking recognition of the fact that the 49ers fit the profile of a team that gives the Cowboys trouble. The Cowboys quietly have not been great against the run and and particularly against teams that are efficient and effective at the run. And the Niners... Who have they even played? Well, that's it, right? I listened to the Wednesday show. Uh, I think you, the, you, you shared with Solak, uh, your analytics reflect that they had the second easiest schedule against the run in the entire NFL this season. Is that right? That's correct, sir. You take good notes. There we go. <laughs> so they haven't really been... T tested on the ground, and that defense is um, an opportunistic defense, a defense that's generating turnovers, but I liked very much the observation that Mr. Solak made, which is Jimmy G, who ain't afraid to throw a pick, his inclination, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, when he does throw interceptions, is to throw them in the middle of the field. Well, Dallas's defense, opportunistic, and kudos to Dan Quinn and this defense. It was a god-awful defense in the 2020-2021 season, and they really reinvented on the fly. Now, it helps to have uh, Mike Parsons when you're trying to reinvent yourself, uh, a perhaps generational talent. You know, the the, the 20, uh, 22 iteration of El Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, I went there. Uh, but holy cow, what a monster. Um, but their, their turnovers have come out on... The uh, sidelines with um, Mr. Diggs, Mr. Uh, Trevon Diggs out there collecting um, interceptions like he's a receiver. So I like, in terms of the passing game, that particular kind of construct for the 49ers slightly tilts in favor of the 49ers. But I, what I really love is the misdirection heavy uh, approach on the run game for the Niners. And it's a three-headed monster kind of run game for the Niners. Um, the combination of, of Debo, uh, how do you say, Yushtek? Yushtek, did Yushtek. I say it right? I said Yushtek, it halfway, halfway like a right. Yeah, yeah. And then your more traditional um, rotation of regular old running backs that they they use there, I, I think it's fantastic. And, and you know, um, I think it's going to give Dallas 
trouble. I like uh, Jimmy G's background, right? He's two and one against the spread in the playoffs. Uh, Dak 0 and three against the spread, only one and two straight up. Jimmy G's played in a Super Bowl. Like, you know, I, I, I think the poise element of this um, it, coupled with what I regard as a sizable coaching advantage of Shanahan versus McCarthy, all signs point towards San Francisco. I've been betting their money line. Um, every time it's gotten anywhere near 150, I bet it. I've bet the San Francisco money line multiple times this week, and I'm hoping it, it you know, it's dropped below 140, plus 140 a bunch of times, and I won't touch it at that. But every time it gets anywhere near 150, I'm on it. What's interesting to me, House, is, is I've, sort of feel like there's more pressure on the Dallas Cowboys in this game. You know, they're the team that that got Dak back and is produced a 12 and 5 record and you know, they still think that the future's ahead of them and and it is. It is. I mean, uh, they, they've got a good core here obviously, but this is a great opportunity for them this season um to to do really well. Whereas the 49ers, this is a team that started off what 2 and 4. Um they were on the outside looking in. I mean, they didn't even get to 500, I, I guess, after that until week 11 of the season. They clawed their way back to 500, and they had to win this last game just to even make the playoffs. And they already drafted their quarterback of the future, who's not even playing right now in terms of Trey Lance. So they they're, they got future plans for themselves. Once you get to this point in time, obviously, um, everybody's trying to win the tournament, right? Everybody's trying to take home that trophy. But the fact of the matter is Dallas home game here. I'm just curious to see, do they turtle up at all? Do they cave to any of the pressure that they find themselves in here with all the expectations that Jerry Jones is obviously going to be placing on them and talking about publicly and talking about privately behind closed doors about what they expect out of this team to do. I mean, I'm just wondering if Mike McCarthy blows something along the way. I'm just wondering if, you know, Dak gets tight whatsoever. Um, it just does concern me that there's a lot of guys that are on them. If Trent Williams is a big day for him at practice today, I think there's a number of injuries that I'm watching for in this game on both sides of the ball uh, from the practice status reports today. But uh, this is going to be the best game of the weekend, in my opinion, in terms of the most competitive with like, you know, the Bills and Patriots is going to be interesting just from a weather perspective. And can these teams overcome both their opponent plus mother nature plus the referees and a lot of times you know you're fighting the referees which is unfortunate this game is one though that i'm hoping the refs just call it like they see it don't give anybody the edge if you're going to call shit one way you're going to a little too aggressive on this type of play then do the same thing uh, you know to even it out let's call a clean game here but you don't have the weather impacting the elements here. And I'm just excited to watch these coaches in the X's and O's battle go back and forth against one another. I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I've not placed a bet on it yet, but um could be something coming down the pike. I'll just say that much. Uh, Steelers. You're, you're not going to talk me out of my money line bet? The only thing that scares me, House, is just that everybody likes it. Like, I, okay. I, I don't know. I'll have to look at what the bet splits are. Hold on. Let me just look at the bet splits real quick. Um because I do feel like this is a game that is so many people, if they're like, okay, pick one dog that you think is going to win up. Okay. I think the 49ers could beat Dallas. It's like a lot of people are suggesting that. So I guess the only other one that's a little bit more slanted, there is one more that's more slanted. That's the Monday night game. More people are picking the Cardinals to upset the Rams and fading Matthew Stafford than any other underdog on the card. But you got 
72% of the tickets coming in on the Chiefs. You've got 72% of the tickets coming in on the Bucks. 62% of the tickets coming in on the Bills. 60% of the tickets coming in on the Bengals. So this one has 52% on the 49ers. So it's more of a coin toss split down the middle. Um, but you know, it is, it is slightly public. Um, and that's the only thing that concerns me, but absolutely. What have we talked about all year house? What is one of our biggest mantras on the show? Short dogs. You want the points, take the money line too. And that's even more of a case in the postseason. So there's no doubt about it. If you're convicted about the 49ers load up on that money line simultaneously, because the odds that they lose this game by one point or so is relatively slim. Um, and you know, you want the, the money line payback. Yeah. That's for all the betting buddies out there all season long. That sharp point is out there and here we are putting it into practice. Let's yeah, let's do this Pittsburgh, Kansas city game. So this game, you know, 13 point spread right now in favor of the Kansas city chiefs total sits at 46. I love the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is putting on the hat and nobody believes in us. Nobody thinks we're going to do anything. Nobody cares. Nobody wishes we were here. Uh, we should be losing this game badly. So let's come out with nothing to lose ourselves in this game and play fun. And guess what? I would love to see what it looks like if Matt Canada tries to call a fun game instead of third and 10 passes behind the line of scrimmage, uh, fourth and six passes behind the line of scrimmage. Like, Let's go out. If you're gonna if you're gonna say that, then I better see it out on the field. I better see them cut out this conservative play calling. Now, big time concern here for Najee Harris. That elbow injury looked disgusting when he hurt himself the other week. And I hope that he's back, but he hasn't practiced yet this week. They say Mike Tomlin says he's going to practice on Friday. We also saw a couple of the Chiefs practice on Wednesday and then get downgraded on Thursday to either did not practice for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or limited practice for Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Might be part of the game plan. Might be part of the game plan. Oh. If so, if so, I think you got the wrong game plan because I'd rather the guy not practice on Wednesday and then work his way in on Thursday rather than practice Wednesday and then not on Thursday. But let's see what they do today. Certainly injuries to keep our eye out for this one. Where do you fall on this game? Have you bet anything? I um, have not been anything on this game. I feel like this is the game that I'll just sit and and enjoy uh, Sunday night. Um, if I was going to do anything, it would play the I'd play the total and I'd play the over. Is it sitting at forty six? Is it at over forty six yes. right now? Yeah. So if, yeah, I would play the total at over forty six. Uh, Mahomes has owned the Steelers two games. He has nine touchdown passes, forty six of fifty eight. Uh, they have 78 points across those two games. So if I was going to play a side, uh, I mean, to play anything on this, it'll be o over the total. But I think it's just better. You know, there were five fumbles in that game um, earlier, uh, you know, five, whatever that was, six weeks ago when when the Chiefs beat the hell out of this, the Steelers and Pittsburgh didn't recover any of them. And TJ Watt wasn't 100%. Like, if you want to talk yourself into Pittsburgh, um, you know, catching is it? It's twelve and a half now. Twelve and uh, a half to thirteen. Yep. If you want to, if you want to do that, go ahead. There's there's a there's a, a script for it. And you want you know Ben going out in a blaze of glory, but I I don't want any part of that. I would just play, um, the the over. Now let me ask you this this little bit of a side question. You know we are doing on the House of Carbs podcast right now a full food breakdown, the iconic food items from all of the cities. And this was a real good challenge. So we had the Promonte brothers sandwich from Pittsburgh up against Kansas city barbecue. Have you, have you had the, the, the pleasure in your life of sampling each of those, those items? 
I've not sampled KC barbecue in KC. I have had the Promonte Brothers sandwich. Yeah, okay. And I have not had the KC barbecue in KC either. I have had it shipped to me. I've had the Jack Stack and I've tried a little Arthur Bryant's before. Uh, and I know that I like that style of barbecue, a dry rub that cooks for a while. And then you layer on that thick, sweet, smoky sauce to your own uh, heart's delight. Uh, the Promonte Brothers is... To me, it's a one of one. It's a unicorn kind of sandwich. Uh, I, I really admire the innovation there, and it's so popular. Thirty-eight locations of Promonte Brothers now. Now, you you tell me as between those two things, what's what's the sh the sharp preference? What's your, the, you, 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 what's your <laughs> That's belly tough. say? That's tough because it depends what mood I'm in. Because I like yeah, them both. Any any right. good barbecue, I'm a massive fan of of some good barbecue with some some nice sauce on it. So I love barbecue, uh, but you know, that sandwich is also a thrill to eat and it's very unique. And so it really definitely depends on the mood. I, it's hard for me to pick one over the other. Okay. Well, that that's, that's fine. We, you, you, you're not required to do it. I will tell you that the Kansas City barbecue moved on in, in this matchup uh, on the show, but you have to listen to the show for the rest of the matchups and we'll be rolling along next week and doing some taste testing. Uh, but there's one more, taste test football game for us to talk about here on our slate. Yes. Yes. And I'm excited for that podcast, by the way, house. Uh, I highly suggest everybody go subscribe to it because if you love house on this show, you know, he's really in his element when he's talking about food. So as you can tell, so he, you're going to love him on that show as well. He, he becomes the sharp on that show, right? Like he's no longer the public Joe square it's true. on that show. Like he is here. He is now the sharp on that food show. So if you want to see him in his true element, you got to check that out. Um, the Arizona Cardinals at the Rams, this is the Monday night game that I wish was on Sunday. Well, I wish this was on Saturday at 1 PM, frankly, but at any rate, this is the Sunday night, uh, Monday night game. Rams laying four points at home to the Cardinals. Four, total is 49 and a half. What's your thought here? Do you trust either of these coaches? Do you trust either of these quarterbacks? Both of these teams have been an up and down type team. You catch them on the right week. You look like a million bucks, the smartest guy around town. Uh, you catch them on the wrong week. You look like a bumbling fool. So what do you think you're going to get out of these teams? And have you bet this game yet? I have no idea what to expect out of these two teams, uh, and I have not bet this game. I'm going to wait probably until Sunday. The line's still sitting at four. My inclination is to take the points, right? I want anything better than than three for Arizona uh, is the, the side that I want. So if it's three and a half or it's four, I'm on Arizona for this. Uh, Arizona is coming in having lost four of their last five games and the Rams won five straight before losing to the 49ers. But I don't trust the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. And I try and I trust neither coach. I don't trust either coach in this matchup. So the, the only kind of inclination I have is on Arizona catching better than a field goal. The Cardinals very good on the road this year, seven and one. I think in the matchup, they have the better quarterback. So I like the idea of getting over three points. And, you know, what, what Stafford has been doing, it's like concerning. It's genuinely concerning. Four pick sixes and eight uh, interceptions over the, like the, the, this last like six game stretch. It's terrible. Not good, Matthew Stafford. So I'm, I'm on Arizona as a side, but I haven't bet it yet. Yeah, the key in this game, in my opinion, is going to be Kyler Murray's wheels. I, I also the health of the running back for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, 
They've had James Conner and Chase Edmonds together for just one game in the past nine. And they've been dealing with injuries just consistently throughout the course of the final stretch of the season. Edmonds missed week 18 with rib and toe injuries. They say that they won't evaluate him until closer to the start of, the, uh, of this game. We'll have to see. You know, their practice schedule is a day later than most because they don't play until Monday night. So today, it's Friday, but it's really only their Thursday. So, you know, this is a big day for practice for them, truly. Um, it's tough. I think Kyler Murray is going to have to be on his A game here, especially when they're playing without DeAndre Hopkins. It's imperative that he is not only just accurate, but that he is able to use his wheels to convert second and third downs into first downs as necessary because I think that they're going to need that extra boost from him. Um, And he's been running a little bit more since he returned from injury. Another tough game. Another game that we've seen these teams play twice already this season. A game that I'm just not really in love with from a handicapping perspective. I'm not seeing a massive amount of value. I'm not seeing a massive line of public rushing to bet a certain side here and we can gain some opportunity by fading that. So it's just a game to me that is interesting. I have absolutely nothing on at the moment and I'm waiting to see some more about the injury report and how that materializes. But um, nothing here right now for me, House. Well, in, in view of the game script that you're describing, is there an opportunity um, for value in connection with the total? Because they, 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 the two games between the teams was 53 points and 57 points. Those were the totals. The total right now is 49 and a half. But what we're talking through is the rush attack of the Cardinals as their most likely you know, path to success. And it depends on health. It's James Conner and Chase Edmonds. It's Kyler's wheels. Um, if indeed, you know, it goes in that direction, this familiarity between these two teams, you know, division rivals in this way, does any of that argue in favor of an under potentially? Well, I could tell you that's sort of the direction I'm looking, but the, the, the public, I think, is going to want to take this thing over. When you look at this, Monday night standalone game is so unique and the public tends to like to bet overs and they're going to have all day to just think about this game and talk about this game and think about two high-flying offenses from the NFC West going up against it versus one another. And both games had, you know, higher scores than this total right now. I'm hoping we get a little bit of over money into the marketplace. Okay. And and that could present a little bit more of an opportunity. So some of these things, you know, house, we got to play a little bit coy with. Um, We're not sharing as much right now. Patience is always a virtue. Got to be patient. I mean, we've absolutely killed it this season. And so I'm not going to rush to bet a million games just because there's playoffs on. We're going to still pick and choose our spots. Um, defend our bankroll that we've grown exponentially this season. And we're going to continue to look for opportunities that are plus EV to tackle. And um, in some cases, you just got to be patient, which is why there haven't been very many things that I've fired on yet this week. I like my current portfolio, uh, but I've got a number of arrows in the quiver, so to speak, that I am ready to fire on between now and kickoff in a couple of different games. So I'm still looking forward to this slate. I don't think the betting board is just fully materialized yet. Ah. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, some injury news come in, some weather news come in. Um, but you're right. I, I think this game 
is intriguing. I also think, you know, what would play towards an under here is Sean McVay's tendency to want to run the ball on first downs, especially late in games or even in early in games. Like, I just don't think they're going to get only one or two yards on those runs like they were getting against the 49ers. I think they're going to be a little bit more productive, which actually bodes better for the under because then that means they're not going to be in third and eight, nine yards and have to go down the field with the ball. They're going to be in third and four or third and three, and they can maybe run the ball or throw a screen pass and do a variety of closer things to line of scrimmage, and they're going to feel more confident in running the ball on early downs and, and keep that clock moving. So, um, yeah, if the, if the Cardinals are up, this game's going over. I'll just say that. The Rams are going to come out and chuck the ball all over the place, and Sean McFay's not going to call those first down runs. So I think a Cardinals and over is a strong correlation here. I think a Rams and under is also a strong correlation here. Okay. Well, I I, I know you're not thrilled to have this Monday night hanging over your head, but one of the ways that might improve your mood is if the public all piles in because they have all day Monday after watching the weekend's games to take a look at where these numbers sit and and maybe, you know, everybody wants that Monday night action and maybe a little EV plus value opportunity shows itself Monday and maybe you'll go to bed Monday night, you know, worried about your work week. Okay. That's reasonable, but maybe with a fatter wallet, buddy. So that could be a good thing. Well, potentially. And guess what? We got you guys covered because we'll be back on Monday with Chris Vernon to not only recap these games, but preview this Monday night playoff game a little bit closer and we'll see where the line is at that point in time. So that's going to wrap it up for this show. Thanks to Joe House, of course, for joining me. Thanks to Mike Wargon and Craig Holbrook for producing it. And we will see you guys back on Monday. Good luck with all your betting action this weekend.